Welcome, fans of the Justice League universe. My name is Sam. And my name is Sydney. And we are two members of the JLU podcast team who enjoy analyzing the DC films released by Warner Brothers Studios. Other contributors to this analysis are Alessandro Maniscalco and Rebecca Johnson. You can find us all on Twitter individually, and you can follow the show at JLU Podcast. In this episode, we are going to discuss scene 31 of Wonder Woman, directed by Patty Jenkins. And this is probably the most popular and most iconic scene of the film, I would say. It's uh, No Man's Land, and it's Diana's full-blown arrival as Wonder Woman, and she's out there in the world of man doing her thing. So, big classic scene, and we'll start, as usual, with a kind of a overarching view of what this scene accomplishes overall in the, in the movie, or, or some of the themes that kind of, like are at a top level of this uh, scene. So what are your first thoughts about that, Sydney? Um, yeah, I mean, this is the absolute most amazing scene in the movie to me. And <laughs> I can remember when I saw it on opening night, there was this group of, like, I think teenage girls in front of me who, mm. <laughs> who were just crying. Uh, yeah. I wanted to cry. It was, I don't know, it's a very sweet scene, very epically shot, and it perfectly encapsulates what Wonder Woman is as a character. I think it's uh, kind of one of those like chills scenes, like where you get chills mm -hmm. that come down, you know, and I definitely yeah. heard a lot of people, even when this, you know, was first opening in theaters, a lot of people saying that this was the scene where they like all bonded as a group, like we're watching this movie and we're all feeling these emotions and stuff mm -hmm. her, like finally yeah. coming out. And there's the character and there's the story and stuff. And, you know, we've seen her as a little girl coming to this moment. But I think there's also the meta textual stuff about you know, female superheroes, female empowerment, like this movement of women kind of, you know, getting more equal status in society. And so I think there's all those layers that some of them are hard to even put into words, but mm -hmm. they're somehow embedded in this scene as she is climbing up the ladder and stepping out onto, you know, the battlefield. Um, and she can, she can do this thing that men were telling her that she couldn't do. And she's like, well, I'm going to do it. So let's just do it. Um, so there's so many of those layers to it. I think it's hard to even mm -hmm. describe, but they're definitely there. Right. And it even kind of um, I think we're seeing her at that. She's actually a superhero here rather than even just a normal person. Like I think before when mm -hmm. she when she's fighting men in the in the alleyway, mm -hmm. you see that she's a, a very you know powerful fighter and she's really skilled. But this is the first scene you get where it's like, oh, my God, she can deflect bullets. Mm -hmm. <laughs> she can take on machine gun fire. So this mm -hmm. is where she becomes larger than life. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And um you said how it's, you know, your favorite scene in the film. And I've said this before in a lot of our analysis, but it's really whenever I'm watching any movie, I'm always looking for those really standout scenes because I always keep in mind that if it's a great film, it's going to have great scenes, like those scenes that just work. Uh, you know, the music is working, the cinematography, the acting, mm -hmm. the performance, the, you know, how it fits into the story. And they need to be those scenes that people remember and they almost become cultural touchstones. Like, you know... In our society, there are just certain movie scenes where if you just mention them, like anybody who's seen it knows exactly what you're talking about. Like, oh, I'm never going to forget that scene. I'm never going to forget that scene. Right. And for me, this is the one from Wonder Woman. It's like, okay, if you've seen this movie, you're never going to forget her coming out into No Man's Land. No. And um, it always it seemed to blow a lot of fans' minds when Patty Jenkins says that this scene almost wasn't in the movie. Yeah. It and it's like impossible a... to imagine. Right. Yeah. Um, some people have overblown that as like the, the WB executives were all trying to get it cut out of the movie. And it's if you actually listen to Patty Jenkins, she was saying like some crew people were not sure like what purpose it was serving. And they're like, mm. hey, you know, could we get rid of it? You know, so it was people involved in the making of the film that were not sure it was necessary. 
but Patty Jenkins really knew what it was doing and she knew that she had to have it in there. So, it, you know, uh... she was she was definitely keeping it in. So there was a little bit of, you know, discussion about it. And there were at least some people who didn't understand, like, why it was so such an important scene or, or what it was going to look like at the end of the day. Right. That's understandable because I guess filming it, it's, you know, it's going to be Gal Gadot standing out in the middle of a field, you know, standing still, pretending bullets are getting shot at her. There isn't that same level of kinetic energy on the set as there would be in, you know, after post-production and after they add in the visual effects and the yeah. music. Because, like, the music yep. is a big part of it, too. Oh, huge, yeah. It, it kind of takes center stage. I mean, it's basically Diana and the music, you know. The sound mm-hmm. design puts everything else kind of in the background and the music just swells to, like, full volume, you know. Right. It's not as... um. It's not as action focused as the the following scene is in Veld. Right. Um, so, yeah, it it really is entirely thematic. I think is what makes this this scene um, mm-hmm. powerful. And maybe yeah, maybe on set that's more difficult to convey in words. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, we actually have uh, Patty Jenkins' quote here, so I can I'm going to read this uh, verbatim here. So quote from Patty Jenkins. It's my favorite scene in the movie, and it's the most important scene in the movie. It's also the scene that made the least sense to other people going in, which is why it's a wonderful victory for me. I think that in superhero movies, they fight other people. They fight villains. So when I started to really hunker in on the significance of No Man's Land, there were a couple people who were deeply confused, wondering, like, well, what is she going to do? How many bullets can she fight? And I kept saying, it's not about that. This is a different scene than that. This is a scene about her becoming Wonder Woman, end quote. Although her deflecting all those bullets is also really cool. <laughs> yeah, it's it is and it's visually very thematic, kind of like you're saying, mm-hmm. but it's not like your typical action scene like you mentioned for like the next one is where the action stunt people get to do all their business on the next scene. Right, yeah. There's not even a lot of dialogue like you mentioned. Right. Deborah Snyder here will share a little bit of quote too, so producer on the film, and this is Deborah Snyder in the art and making of the film book. She said, quote, The moment Diana emerges from the trenches in her Wonder Woman armor is an incredibly inspiring and iconic moment. We see her proudly adorned in the armor of her people as she makes the noble choice to put her mission aside to help a village of people in grave danger. She risks everything to save innocent people. In this moment, she is bravery and love personified. She is the true definition of a hero, end quote. And so, yeah, I think it is, it's not just how the No Man's Land scene was shot and the music. It's also what led up to it, like, her being able to talk to that woman and the woman saying, you know, we're, we're all kind of like entrapped here in this village and we're really in pain and stuff. And Diana empathizes with that pain and she's seen all the horror of the war and the men telling her like, oh, we can't do that. We can't do that. We got to just keep on mission, keep on mission. So all of that stuff builds up to right. being really, really meaningful when she steps out there. Exactly. And it even kind of seems like, you know, she she is putting sort of her own mission on hold because, you know, her mission her, her goals are the same as Steve's, but she also has the the urgent mission of needing to find and destroy the god of war. Mm-hmm. But when she sees the people suffering and she knows she can help, then she has to put it aside and do the, the noble thing, which is, you know, very heroic. Mm-hmm. It connects to a couple of themes that we've talked about, like in terms of the character development and character traits. I mean, it really shows... Diana's empathy because she empathizes for that village even though she's only met like one of the women but she's like well I need to help them she can sense their pain it also shows her bravery and that she's she's a person of action like I'm going to do this and it also connects to um, kind of a thread throughout the movie where when Diana 
exhibits some sort of heroism or leadership, then she inspires others to do it. And so we'll see mm-hmm. that with the odd fellows. Like when she steps out and takes that moment, then that inspires other people to like, oh, I can do it. I can go and do this thing as well. Exactly. So um, that's a nice thread, you know, between it. And she really is literally going out there first and in front. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a few things too. These, you know, just random bits of trivia, but mm-hmm. um, there are a couple different possible influences of this scene. Mm-hmm. One um, was on Twitter a couple years ago um, from a user called Scarlet Gomorrah, and it said that this image of Wonder Woman um, taking the field may have been inspired by uh, sort of like a, a legend about the angels of the Mons, hmm. and it's about a, a war from the um, beginning of World War One, where okay. the British, against all odds, were defeated. Well, they ended up retreating, but they took out a large number of German soldiers, and it seemed like the odds were against them. And certain troops ended up spreading a rumor that there were angels assisting them on the battlefield. Hmm. Um, maybe this was a way of coping with the realities of war and, and how much more violent they were ex- than they were expecting it to be. Uh, but it says that some, there were even reports of what soldiers believed to be Joan of Arc hmm. or a mysterious female figure clad in ancient armor. Hmm. <laughs> so this, it seems like, uh, there's some connection here, but it's a popular image. Um, there was also a personification of America, which was called Columbia mm-hmm. and it's the same sort of thing. It was, she was this sort of angelic figure who, uh, it, it, around the, both world wars was um, invoked in American posters for recruitment. Mm-hmm. And so she was depicted as wearing an American flag in some way, much mm-hmm. like Wonder Woman is in the comics mm-hmm. and carrying a sword. Hmm. It all kind of sort of emphasizes Wonder Woman as this mythological figure mm-hmm. in a world of men. Yeah. And just tapping into these images and when people are reading Wonder Woman or being exposed to her, it's some of it's even subconscious. Like we don't realize that it's tapping into some other things that we've seen or we've just uh, soaked up from the culture. Right. It's not even just that she's a warrior or you know a superhero. She's a goddess. It's something something even higher. You're right. It's it's it, it definitely these stories are part of the human subconscious. These sort of tales pop up in multiple cultures, and this is sort of like the American version of it. The American superhero. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, for such an iconic, uh, rich scene, let's get into some of the the flow of it here. So we'll pick up here where she, you know, has told her, you know, it's what I'm going to do. Uh, And she has put on the tiara, which, of course, is very meaningful from from Antiope and stuff. Um, And the filmmakers have been saving up this whole reveal for the costume. So the robe now drops, you know, it's kind of been muddied by the mud of the trenches and stuff. But she drops that down. To me, it's kind of like she's shedding the cover that she had to wear in man's world. She's like, no, I'm not going to like cover myself or hold back anymore. I'm going to like com- completely let it out. And I'm going to shed your muddiness kind of off of me and bring my, right. my kind mm-hmm. of Amazonian side of things to it. And then we get the uh, kind of close ups and emphasis on each of the parts of the iconic, like wonder woman costume. And I think these uh, close ups to it are part of what makes it iconic. You, you know, we get each of the elements, the tiara obviously is where we start, which is um, we covered a little bit in the last scene. But now we get to see the boots, we see the shield, um, we see, you know, the whole outfit as she's going up the ladder. Right. And one thing I appreciated, too, when I watched it is that it's very it's very non-sexual. 
because you know mm-hmm. it, a lot of people have commented and it's even sort of mentioned in the the movie a few times that it is a somewhat revealing outfit um mm-hmm. you know or it mostly just shows a lot of her legs and arms so when they do the reveal when she drops the cloak it doesn't focus on any part of her body in any way it focuses on the shield like you said her mm-hmm. various parts of her armor and yeah it's just a very brilliant reveal when you see the whole thing together mm-hmm. and i think it really pays off that they've saved you know like we've gotten these little glimpses of it so we knew it was there mm-hmm. but we save the full-on okay we can really see it for this moment and so with the music swelling up and then really getting a clear vision of it and then when she's emerges then we see the whole outfit you know in its entirety mm-hmm. um they just planned it out really well from the beginning of this movie to right now you know like an, right. a, an hour and you know 15 minutes in it's not even just like the music swelling it's the explosion right behind her <laughs> oh yeah <it's laughs> when you see her fireworks for the first almost. time yeah <laughs> it's just this big epic reveal <laughs> yeah and it's uh um one more thing too before we get out onto that um you know battlefield she does the the camera spins around her as the costume is being revealed. Oh, yeah. and so multiple people have noticed that this is kind of an homage to Linda Carter because uh, in the old Wonder Woman show, she would spin and then she would have her Wonder Woman costume on. Mm-hmm. And so in this case, it's like the camera spins and then she has her costume on now. Um, so that's right. kind of nice. And to me, what I noticed about it was that camera spin also happened back on Themyscira when she was going to dive into the water. So that was her, like, she was going to take a leap forward and take a big action to do something. It was like her metaphorically becoming Wonder Woman. Yeah, at that point. Uh. That was definitely a step forward for her, and now here's another big one. And in both Mm -hmm. cases, the camera kind of, like, swings around her in, like, a circle. Right. And Patty mentioned that this was deliberate, right, in this scene? Yeah, it it was, I think, confirmed. um, Oh, that's great. (laughs) For for this one here to be, like, a Linda Carter homage. Yeah, that's kind of... I thought that was really, like clever way to do it because to have her spin with her arms out would be a little too on the nose Mm -hmm. but this was a nice way to do it yeah it was more subtle and um this time when i was re-watching it i really like when the camera pans around and you could see the the faces of the soldiers who are looking at her Mm -hmm. and how they they go from just sort of neutral to you know shocked Mm -hmm. (laughs) and odd Mm -hmm. so it really adds to the the feeling of epicness i guess yeah, and like St- even Steve, who knows her better than anybody, you know, in Man's World, he is even saying like Diana, like he yells out, like he's worried that she's about to go get herself killed. So <laughs> he's like also shocked at like what she's doing. Um, but Alessandro pointed out in our notes that this really is showing that the men have all completely underestimated her, right? Like they view her just as a woman, which to them is like a lower kind of thing. Like right. she she wouldn't have anything to contribute on the battlefield, right? She's a woman. But now she drops her cloak, so she's, like, unleashing her full abilities. And men are about to realize, like, oh, we might have been underestimating, like, what she can contribute to the effort. Right. I think they're, I mean, un- until they see her deflecting the bullets, I think they're just completely shocked. Like, what the heck is this? It's just came completely out of left field. Yeah. So she steps up the ladder and she's stepping into the light. Um, she's also kind of revealing herself to the men, at least around here, right? Like, so she's, um, you know, revealing her powers and everything like that. Um, but, you know, we see the parts of her costume, then we see her full costume, and now we go into the main part of the scene. So now she's out there in no man's land. You mentioned the explosion um, coming behind her and the music is really building. By the way, with the music, I really like it that they didn't use the typical Wonder Woman theme. I like that they kept that one more for the action scenes. Mm-hmm. And here it's much more of like emotional kind of swelling, like more dramatic and rich rather than like action and driving. Right. And this one to me, the 
some of the motifs that are happening are more like a callback to Themyscira, mm-hmm. which I thought was appropriate because she's like bringing in a big dose of Amazonian stuff right. right into this man's war. Exactly. And Gregson Williams did a fantastic job with the score for this film. Yeah. He, he really got a, a lot of freedom to to create themes for her because in, in Batman v Superman, Wonder Woman, you know, she only made her full appearance as Wonder Woman in that in sort of one scene towards the end of the film. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the only music that um, Hans Zimmer got to score for her was, yes, this this action scene. And mm-hmm. that is it's a it's a wonderful scene. And yes, it's perfect for the this upcoming scene in Veld. Mm-hmm. But for this scene, it really required something more not softer, but like dramatic, sort of more mm-hmm. inspiring music. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree that especially for this scene, Gregson Williams really rose to the challenge. And mm-hmm. now I can even just listen to the music and I have all the emotions coming back from like seeing this, you know, in theaters and stuff. Right. I'm, 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 ho- I'm hoping they bring him back for, for future films or that future composers or other team up movies will use his themes for Wonder Woman. Yeah. Now, we, uh, when we're out here, we've seen her. So the first part of it is really to see her costume and stuff. Um, and then we have this bullet time kind of thing where, you know, we have slow-mo following the bullet as it's heading towards her. It's kind of a longer shot approaching her. And then she uses the bracelet deflection, which is, of course, like a big part of the character. And um, she deflects quite a few bullets with her bracelets in this scene, which is a big, you know, nod to the comic books where the... Um, they have even the game like bullets and bracelets right in the original comic mm-hmm. books. Um, so you're seeing, she, she did that a little bit before, like you mentioned, but this is like, you know, big time bullets and bracelets that she's having to do. Right. I saw mentioned here that um, some people, and actually my, my own mother brought this up that mm-hmm. it, it seemed a bit um, concerning that the Germans fired at this beautiful woman walking towards them. <laughs> the second she popped up, mm-hmm. like, you know, why would they do that? And, um, I don't know. I mean, trying to determine if that's a realistic thing is impossible because it's a movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dramatically, it's better that she, you know, comes out fighting. But um, I think if you were going to do some apologetics for that, uh, one thing would be that no one's popping out over the trench. The whole point is, the whole point of trench warfare is you're stuck in the ditch because if you pop your head up, you're going to get shot. Mm-hmm. So it could be just that it didn't really register with them that it was a woman yet. They just saw something move and they shot at it. But then after she fires a few, after they fire a few bullets at her and she reflects them, then you see one of the German soldiers say something like, my God, and <laughs> like they realize, oh, this isn't normal. And so then they keep shooting at her once they mm-hmm. realize she's a threat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is interesting to kind of think about. Um, one of our listeners who just goes by the letter B on mm-hmm. YouTube, uh, he said he got really angry at the Germans for shooting at mm-hmm. her, you know, um, without pr- provocation, you know, so to speak. Right. But and yeah, I, I mean based on my limited understanding of like the rules of engagement for warfare, if the Germans know that there at that time were not any female soldiers and she didn't have on any military gear, didn't have a gun, you know, visible, I think it is against the rules of engagement to just like shoot her down. But um, I'm sure lots of stuff, you know, happened in the trenches and in no man's land that was against the rules of engagement. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, for Diana, we also kind of as a team in our notes, we were thinking about like, you know, what's Diana think of the Germans? Um, she views them as under Ares influence. So, mm-hmm. of course, they're going to immediately shoot at her because she's like, yeah, like Ares is just, you know, manipulating them into being bad people. But they aren't necessarily bad, like on their own. That's what she thinks right. at this point. But since we know that they're not technically not actually under any kind of influence. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> they just shot at this woman. 
Yeah, yeah. But I think it was, I mean, like you said, this was this was sort of a bullet time. It's in slow motion. I'm thinking they could have shot at her. You know, if you really need an explanation for the for the scene, then they shot at her before they realized what she was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just they see a person coming out of the trench. So you <laughs> yeah, shoot. Yeah, something, anything popping its head She over. was not waving a white flag, so. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but anyway. To the action. <laughs> yeah, Charlie calls out, you know, what's she playing at? So he uh, he doesn't know what the heck's about to happen, and he figures she's about to probably get herself killed. Right. But, uh, yeah, she's able to, you know, deflect a few more. I really like the way that uh, Gal Gadot, like, performs it with her face. I kind of like the look that she has on her face for that. Mm-hmm. And then it's, like you said, the Germans are like, all right, let's all open fire. She's deflecting bullets. So, mm-hmm. uh, and then that ups the ups the intensity a little bit because then she starts to go into kind of a jog and is still deflecting them so right i like the i like the build too like the music builds Mm -hmm. and then the motion kind of builds so it it has some momentum to the scene right even though there's not like a ton of action it still has this like feeling of going forward exactly and even diana's like even gal gadot's face during these scenes like you said those those first few bullets that she deflects in slow motion she almost looks amazed I think that she could do that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it, this is, it's almost kind of like the reveal of Wonder Woman for her too. It's like, <laughs> this is, this is, she's discovering something new about herself in this moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, she was going to go out there onto that field anyways, but, you know, <laughs> it's kind of like, wow, I'm, I'm more powerful even than I, than I thought I was. Mm. So that makes me think of, you know, that it's a character trait because even young Diana, she would jump before she really knew how it was going to turn out. Exactly. And here she's like, I'm going to climb out of this trench and go save the people before I even know what I'm personally capable of. So mm-hmm. luckily her, her natural gifts can back her up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but this is a journey of self, self-realization for her in many ways. So yeah. It fits. And then here we get a little bit of the leadership that we mentioned before. So like Steve said, she's taken all the fire. So let's go. So it's, you know, in World War One, like you were saying, they're down in these trenches just all the time. And World War One is well known for being like, you know, the front not moving much at all for like year, mm-hmm. years, you know, like we're just at a standstill. And so to actually have a chance to break through the front is like a big deal. And so Steve and the Steve calls, you know, hey, we can we can go forward, too. And, and so the other um, soldiers on the British side start to climb out. And uh, well, some of them do like Steve goes out first. And then eventually the other like British soldiers are going to come in too. Well, the others are held back because they don't know Diana. They're just like, this is crazy. They're still not quite sure, yeah. <laughs> right. I think when they see Steve and the rest of them run out, they're just like, what are they doing? These people are all insane. Yeah, so it's like Diana's first, then the Odd Fellows are second, and then the British soldiers will come up third. Oh, yes. And I think the eventually. moment where all the other soldiers come over, that's probably my favorite moment in this the entire scene being my favorite scene. That's just my favorite moment. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> that really does show how she's she's inspired them the best parts of these superhero characters whether it be wonder woman or superman or you know how they're able to inspire people Mm -hmm. and the filmmaking kind of inspires me because so Mm -hmm. you know you she gets she goes forward and then she gets to the point where she's pretty close to them at the other trench and then she pulls out her shield and this part just the filmmaking is really amazing to me because they have you know the production design of you know the the landscape around them they have the dust you know, the dirt like you know getting blasted up and stuff mm-hmm. but just the way that they positioned gal gadot with her left arm on the shield and her right arm like clenched behind her is just yeah. so, so intense i love that like body positioning. Pose. yeah mm-hmm. 
um, even though it's just a defensive thing and she's just kind of staying there, like it has the intensity and the muscle, you know, and she's clenching and stuff. And the filmmakers covered it um, from multiple angles. Like we get a close up on it. We kind of come out from a side shot. Then we get like an overhead shot. And I just love the kind of coverage that they gave to it to really let this moment sink in. And uh, and I like too the overhead shot, which um, to me, like connected back to, I think, an overhead shot in the alleyway where it's like, all right, cool. When she's really doing some stuff, it's fun to see her almost from like straight above. Right. And it's, it's beautiful to see the, the sparks sort of shooting off of her shield. Yeah. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of that that pop of color mm-hmm. uh, in this scene. Um, I know that the the you know, the entire DCEU, as we call it, it, you know, it's always criticized as being really dark, but there's always a reason that the scenes are shot this way. I, I know we talked yeah. about this in our uh, commentary for the film, but mm-hmm. this scene especially, you know, it's it's no man's land. It's trench warfare. Of course, everything is going to be gray and drab, mm-hmm. but there's so many of these flashes of like fire in the background mm-hmm. and all those gold sparks um, mm-hmm. from bullets hitting her metal gauntlets, you know, just these warm colors. Uh, that it just really makes the whole thing come alive to me. And it it looks lovely, like a painting. (laughs) Yeah. And when she first came out, too, like, Mm -hmm. you know, her color, her uh, costume is not like shiningly bright colors. It has a little bit more color to it than BVS did, but it's still, you know, just these kind of warm, rich colors. Right. But by making the landscape around it so like gray and dark green and like dusty and stuff, then her costume like just looks awesome when she comes out of the trench. Yeah, and then, it really like stands you say, out. The, yeah, and then the bullets flying and the you know the violence of that, the sparks, those stand out too. So it's like, yeah, I mean, the, to me, the filmmakers know exactly what they're doing. They think a lot about the color that they're gonna put you know in this scene. Exactly. Yeah, so we go, so we get the the epic coverage from a lot of angles of her with the shield. I just that's to me a great great centerpiece of the scene. Um, and then we see Steve moving in. Now, speaking of camera angles, part of me kind of wishes that they would have kept kept a left to right thing, like through the whole scene. Mm. Like uh, Diana starts on the left and the Germans are on the right. And then everything is always kind of moving left to right. And the Germans are always on the right side of the screen. That would be my preference. Or the straight on stuff is also cool. Like they go straight on to Diana. That makes a lot of sense because that's kind of like a powerful positioning and stuff. Mm-hmm. But there's one shot of Steve running up. Uh, in the middle of this scene and he's running from right to left and I'm like just not quite sure why the filmmakers did that because to me I'm like totally mapping it in my mind as all from left to right and then all of a sudden Steve's going the other way oh I don't know why so this is a that's a yeah it's it's not a big deal at all but for me it's like it's I I like it when there's really consistent kind of momentum to the scene Mm -hmm. and they might have done it on purpose to try to mix it up a little bit but if I were doing it, I would have just had it all going from left to right. Yeah, it's just something you notice. <laughs> yeah. And then when Steve, like, gets to his crouching position, he is coming from left to right. So I don't know why they had him, like, r- running the other way. But Maybe it's, okay. it's chaos. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it could be a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, we, But then we get the Oddfellows, you know, have joined Diana. She's still taking the fire. Um, but the Oddfellows are now, like, at her side. So that's kind of the next next beat in the scene. Oh, yeah. And so this is when she's she's kind of frozen um, because she's taking fire from the machine gun, right? So Yeah, she's, she's kind she's, of gone about as far as she can. Yeah, yeah, she's stuck in that position. And then Chief throws a grenade over, and I guess it mm-hmm. hits the guy who's firing the machine gun. And then she realizes that she has an opening. So she keeps going, and that's when everybody else pops out of the trench. Yeah, so exactly. She, yep, go now. Like, they, like they are like, okay... <laughs> She has broken through. Now the British soldiers kind of come up in. 
Yeah, it's nice because she created an opening for the odd follows to follow her. And mm-hmm. um, now they've created one for her to continue on. So it's it's really a, a group team effort now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So now we get all the British soldiers running up. Uh, and this is then the Wonder Woman leap. So she leaps into the trench. Um, I really like the music here and I like the idea. The leap doesn't look perfect, but mm. I'm kind of like so swept up in the emotion of the scene and stuff that I don't really care about that part. Right. Yeah, there's a few shots in this film where the I think like the the CGI is a little less than perfect, mm-hmm. but it's you know minor quibble. Right. The emotion. For the is, most part. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The 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 meaning of the scene is so good that that stuff doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. Um, right. And one of my favorite things, you know, is when she gets into the trench that she smashes the big machine gun, like the mounted gun. Right. Um, yeah. And I like that because. We noticed it as a team. We noticed it several times throughout the movie that she really, she destroys the instruments of war. Mm-hmm. You know, so she's not really trying to fight the people so much. You know, she thinks they're maybe under Ares' influence or whatever, and she will kill people if she has to, you know, within the battle. But really, they emphasize in the filmmaking, they emphasize her taking out the instruments of war, like a tank or here, this machine gun, that kind of thing. Oh, that's right. Because I think in this scene, once she uh, punches a few guys in the trench there, yeah, she goes straight for the machine gun, and then she goes to Veld. Yep. So, yeah, so for her, it's, she, you know, she wants to save the innocent people, and she wants to take out these instruments of destruction. Mm-hmm. And by taking out the machine gun, that you know makes it possible for the rest of the men to follow. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the next scene in Veld, she definitely knocks some guys around, but they are definitely directly shooting at her in close quarters so yeah or she <laughs> takes really out... no other way to deal with them yeah yeah she's not opposed to killing somebody who is direct threat to herself or others if she but i has. i yeah. like it where they you know emphasize like she's also going to take out all those you know the instruments of warfare mm-hmm. so i like that a lot and when she gets in the trench she can see the village like she can kind of see the uh, church tower you know and like she knows that oh that's the village that i'm looking for and so she yells at steve so she's you know, still thinking, you know, I'm not here to take out all these Germans, the British, you know, that's their thing. She really wants to go save the innocent people who she has learned about. So for her, for her, she's, you know, that's what she's going to do. Right. That's the goal here. Oh, there's another another little detail um, that I really like about this scene. And I guess the way that it's filmed in general is um, some of those scenes when she's, she's running up towards the the German line and deflecting bullets. Mm -hmm. It, it looks like, I don't know if it's, she's kicking up dirt or if it's shrapnel but they do that thing where some dirt gets on the camera lens oh yeah yeah and kind of sticks there so it really feels it really feels very gritty mm-hmm. and it, it, it yeah. feels more yeah it feels more real um so like you really can feel that they that they did it on a, a set somewhere mm-hmm. another thing about when she's holding her shield and she's in that pose like it looks like there's really bullets hitting her shield. Like it, they mm-hmm. they really did a believable job of having that. You know, it doesn't just look right. like they have a, a wind machine on her. It's like no, it looks like there's actual objects hitting her shield at high speed. Yeah, like a ricochet and it twitches mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. yeah, just little things like that. It just feels very, it feels very rough, mm-hmm. and it just sort of emphasizes how strong Diana is. Yep, yep. Ugh, just the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, it's all really good, um, and. We mentioned before the music being more like Amazonian kind of music, and we talked about that a lot, but I especially like it when she jumps down into the trench, like so after her leap, 
then Gregson Williams, like he brings back the Amazon intervals. Um, I mm-hmm. think it's like an AE um, and then AG. And he had established those at the first part of the movie. And so when he brings back those intervals, to me, it works really well. So I like that Gregson Williams, you know, was able to bring in some of his own original ideas and then find the spots to bring in the, the Zimmer Junkie XL kind of theme. Mm-hmm. So definitely good stuff there. She jumps out. Of, she jumps into the trench. She jumps out. That's kind of a, a little cool thing. But yeah, I think, uh, I mean, you know, we, we've been talking about this scene, but I think in a lot of ways, this scene really works in a way that doesn't need to be explained. I know I'm saying this at the, at the end <laughs> of our episode, but to me, it's almost one of those scenes where it's like, just have people sit down and watch it and let the music roll over them and let the imagery hit them. And, you know, we, we maybe should have just shut up and not said anything about it and just let it like, <laughs> let it hit our eyeballs, you know? It's yeah, it's real artistry. It's the the, the music and the images coming together. Um, and the scene itself doesn't really need words, but no, it, it's one of those things where either let it speak for yourself, or I could gush about it forever, <laughs> <laughs> and that would probably wear on people's patience. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> one tiny little detail. Uh, so you know, next scene they're going to Veld. So yeah. we're going to see this just a little bit where. Chief throws a grenade. <laughs> We're going to see him do that later. Yep, yep. It seems so to be one of, one of his skills. skills. Yeah, yeah exactly. everything that they can contribute. <laughs> yeah. And one thing that's interesting now is, like, Diana has exerted herself as leader, and then she will explicitly become leader because she'll say, like, or she said, you know, Steve, let's go. Like, so it's kind of like the jockeying for leadership, you know? Like, Steve mm-hmm. has kind of been the leader. Like, he knew London more. He was kind of saying, like, hey, we need to do this. But now Diana's like, you know what? I'm not sure if you're always the leader. Sometimes I might be the leader. Um, so I think that's fun to see that dynamic playing out too. I don't know that she's, I don't think she's deliberately trying to step on his toes or anything. I think she definitely just feels that this is her, this is her area. This is, um, she's the one who, who knows best in this moment. So it's natural that everyone else follow her lead. Yeah. And then I think, but later it'll be like unclear, like whose lead should we follow? Like at the gala, for instance, like Steve kind of wants to do one thing and she wants to do Mm -hmm. another thing. Right. And so she doesn't throw it in his face. Like, Hey, remember what I did before? Maybe you should listen to me. But to me, you can trace through this movie. You can kind of see like, how do they work together? Steve and Diana. And when does one take the lead over another? And you can kind of trace that. It's kind of one fun way to watch the movie. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, you you definitely can. They, They certainly clash at that point when suddenly, you know, they have, different ways of doing things and that's inevitably going to clash. Uh, I just kind of feel like she, she has this idea of like natural leadership, kind of like earlier, like the, the generals, Mm -hmm. she doesn't believe they deserve their authority because they don't act as honorably as the generals that she's known. So the the generals that she knew, they were people who led by example. Definitely. So I think that to her leadership is less an appointment than it is something that just, it's just natural. It's whoever's best for the job, whoever, um, is the one taking action, whoever is most knowledgeable about whatever's going on. You know, she, she mostly is, was content to follow Steve's lead back in London um, because he clearly knew more about the place than she did, um, mm-hmm. even if she thought that some of it was really strange. But in this moment, yeah, she, she's the one with the confidence. She knows what to do here. So she definitely expects that they will follow her. All right, so I think that will be our analysis of scene 31. So that was a fun one to do. A lot of fun talking to you about it, Sydney. Yeah, it's a lot of fun to talk about it. <laughs> so next up, we will um, you know, ratchet the action up even a bit more like we already alluded to. But in the meantime, if you're looking for other podcasts, we always recommend Suicide Squadcast and Man of Steel Answers. <laughs>